2: 1730 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with
3: Nashika Caesar.
2: And coming up over the next 90 minutes,
4: the Auditor General's uh, report on the COVID 19 expenditure creates a false impression of wrongdoing concerning the expenditure of some 10 billion of the COVID funds on activities unrelated to COVID 19.
2: (laughs) The governing New Patriotic Party, NPP, joins its Attorney General, Godfrey Dami, to take on the Auditor General over the publication of his audit into government COVID-19 expenditure. Tonight we ask, can the Auditor General survive these missiles? Also, coming the Ghana Catholic Bishops Conference appeals to government to utilise all resources at its disposal to find a solution to the Boko crisis which is claiming so many lives. And later on Eyewitness News, is day four of the picketing by retirees who are opposed to government's decision to add their pension funds to the domestic debt exchange program. Stay with 97.3 CTF for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in
3: business... Economist Professor Godfrey Bobkin projects increase in the country's unemployment rate should the domestic debt exchange program be implemented.
2: That's in 50 minutes from the business desk of CTFM and TV. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations. In the western region, we are on Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, as well as Sky Power 93.5 also in Takradi, in the Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Suyani. In the Ahafo region, we are on Hermes Radio 106.5 FM in Gorso. In the Ashanti region, we are on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumasi and Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we are on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajavu and Cool 103.5 FM in Ho. In the Northern region, we are on Radio Bimbila 91.9 FM in Bimbila. In Upper East on Tanga, 93.7 FM in Bolga, and Upper West on Tungsung, 97.3 FM in Wa. Do let us know what you make of the stories we are bringing you by sending your message on WhatsApp, 0549-986-996. 549 You can send tweets using the hashtag... City Newsroom. We are also live on Facebook. You can uh, view the proceedings in studio from your Facebook portal and drop your comments there. So we let you, the world, know what you think. This is Eyewitness News coming to you from number eleven, Dr. Martin Luke in Adabraka, in Accra. Last night on Eyewitness News, we brought you the story of the Attorney General's letter to the Auditor General, which letter suggests among a number of things that he pulls down the publication he has put up on his website in relation to the audit findings into COVID-19 expenditure. The Attorney General held a view that that would prejudice the work of Parliament's, uh, Parliament's uh, Committee on uh, Accounts, which usually would deal with this matter, and also makes several other recommendations and requests. We heard from the chairman of the Public Accounts Committee, James Kluchavergy, last night. He said to us that he agrees with the position of the Attorney General, except that that position is not agreeable in law. So to the extent that what the Auditor General did was lawful, he had no difficulties with it, but he hoped or believes that there should be an amendment of the law so that when the Auditor General finishes work, his work, before he publishes it on his portal, Parliament would have done work into that committee's work, into that audit report. A report which would be adopted by the House of Parliament would then be publicized as a true and proper report or record of the Auditor General. So that is what happened yesterday. 24 hours on, The new Patriotic Party, the party that Godfrey Diabuadami, the Attorney General, belongs to, which party was um, lambasted when the former Auditor General, Yao Domelovo, was removed and replaced with this same Auditor General. Many thought that it was a political appointment and that Auditor General was expected to do a certain line, according to critics of the move at the time. The NPP says what the Auditor General is doing is not right. Before we hear from the NPP, let's hear from a member of the Public Accounts Committee who is MP for Tamale Central, Honorable Mohamed Murtala. He says that the report of the Auditor General should hold and the letter written to the Auditor General by the Attorney General should be spiked. Listen.
5: If I were the Auditor General, I would look for the next available dustbin and put it in there. Look. If the Auditor General investigates a matter and then an individual or institution is cited for breaches of the laws, the Auditor General doesn't just go to publish that as his, his finding. It affords the people the opportunity. In fact, sometimes about two times or three times, they come, they go through your books and then they go and write their report. They make their report available to you, expecting your response. And in fact, they also come and have a conference meeting with meeting with you so that they can ask you further questions on the things that have been identified as breaches of the Financial Regulations Act or laws by you as an individual or by the institution.
2: So that's a former Nanton MP, current Tamale central MP, member of the Accounts Committee of Parliament, Murtala. Mohammed. Let's hear now from the New Patriotic Party. Its Director of Communication is Richard Ahiagba. He joins us on the line. Mr. Ahiagba, welcome to Eyewitness News. Hello, sir. Richard, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Thank you. Good uh, evening.
4: evening,
2: my brother. Is it that you are at war with the Auditor General... Who was appointed by the president a few months ago, if not a year ago?
4: No, no, no. no. Uh, the, the word is too strong uh, uh, to use. Uh, we are not at war. We, we cannot be at war. Uh, we actually have to work with the auditor. So I'm not sure what you're referring to. To be at war with
2: him. So, what's your position on the work of the Auditor General specifically related to the COVID 19 expenditure?
4: Um, okay, well, uh, I think that uh, it's um, uh, very commendable uh, for the Finance Minister to commission that. You know, there has been uh, calls for that audit over time. Uh, parliament, I think as a committee parliament, that did some work on it and probably eventually the finance minister commissioned this report. So I think it's good um, that we, we have that transparency there. But um, uh, what we are looking at, I and mean, in fact, if you see, uh, if you read the audit, um, the Attorney General's uh, letter to the Auditor General, uh highlighted a few constitutional uh, points that needed to have been taken note of. In which case, the report. And our very concern, um, you know, manifest in the audit, uh, tenant general's report saying that the report is premature because if you look at it, there are issues there that if you go to public, uh, public accounts committee as an agency or ministry, you go, they ask you questions about certain expenditure. And often you will see this and this is telecast uh, publicly and openly for everyone to see. And you hear that people demonstrate reasons why certain expenditure, uh, did, 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 not occur or occur or there isn't validation for it. And they explain and it, it makes sense in open, uh, forum. Uh, but in this case, uh, the uh, attorney general is directing that this needs to be done because until that is done, the document cannot be seen as, you know, uh, complete. So what we have studied, Based on the report, having uh, having been published before going through the full process, shows some breaches of audit uh, protocols. For example, I think I heard uh, Mutala talking about conferences. Uh, in most cases, it didn't happen. You understand? And then some of the uh, explanations that have come uh, following some of the uh, expenditures that have been flagged shows clearly that if there was diligent work, not only on the part of the Auditor General, but also on the part of the uh, agency officials, some of the items that were cited could have been explained. Okay, and so that's just the observation we have made, and we thought that uh, there's a need for uh, those issues to be paid attention to subsequently, so that the, the false impression is not created as something has been done Um, In 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 an instance of expenditure that is not acceptable because it it feeds into a perception of corruption when it didn't have to.
2: Why are you all of a sudden interested in the cessation of the publication of the report? Your party in the past has benefited um, enormously or tremendously from the works of the Auditor General. We remember when you took Alfred Woyome and made him a campaign message in 2012 because he was captured under the Auditor General uh, report to have conducted himself in a way that was not right. All of a sudden, you are doing a U-turn on the same Auditor General's report that you have been hailing and celebrating and using for campaign songs. Why?
6: Well, certainly, Omaru.
4: I mean, if... if, uh if you, if you are playing a game and the keeper who is in the opposing person's goal uh, does not know the rules and therefore would come out of his 18 to catch the ball with his hands and you, you earn a penalty, uh, what's your business? Uh, the po- The point I'm trying to make is that we're building institutions. We must build those institutions. And so once the processes are there for us to do it, it doesn't matter if it was not done yesterday, but we must invest to make sure it is done. I don't know, uh, maybe previous Attorney Generals didn't find it a serious business to pay attention to that, and this Attorney General is paying attention to it and ensuring that the right thing is done. We can only uh, commend him and ensure that we build strong independent institutions. And also, the fact that in the past, something was not uh, flagged for discussion and correction doesn't mean that we can't do it today. So what we're doing is trying to mend our ways and ensure that the right things are done going forward. And, in fact, it's not even an attempt to say that uh, uh, the Auditor General is not done well. It's only to say that, yes, we've done well, but these are uh, observations that we have made. We didn't call for uh, the unpublishing um, of the report. We did not pronounce anything on the report. In fact, I was not aware of this uh, until this morning that I, I heard about what work the Auditor, sorry, Attorney general was a conversation he was having with the Auditor General uh, in respect of the reports. So it's coincident, coincidental this morning we find out that this thing was also happening along the, alongside what we uh, did yesterday. Our commitment is just to ensure that, yes, let's flag these things. We need to go full hog to try and uncover some of these things and ensure that we are retrieving you know, monies that are spent or not spent appropriately and where people are supposed to be searched properly searched. And one thing, Omar, uh, I think I need to raise, raise this with you. You saw uh, in the auditor, uh, Attorney General's report, uh, letter to the Auditor General. There was an instance where it, I think it created an impression that the you know, the uh, auditor, uh, the attorney general prosecutes and tries to retrieve these, uh, disallowances and charges on behalf of the auditor general. They are losing a lot of cases because the, you go to court and the person will come with basis to explain to you this is why. And in court is evidence. And once the evidence is adduced and the court is satisfied, you, you would have gone to court claiming that somebody has done something on court, and the, the Attorney General will go there and will not get uh, to retrieve the money. And so that's why it's important to tighten the, the process to ensure that whatever disallowances are put forth are thoroughly examined, and those are the, uh, disallowances that will, uh, will result into retrievable funds for the state. So we're not wasting time and money Going only to be told that this is why this happened and it's reasonable, and the court will let go. So it's important that we tighten the process and make sure that we are doing a diligent work, one that will be foolproof. So when we go to court, we can get the money that are due uh, the people.
2: Does the MPP think that the Auditor General is embarrassing it?
4: No, I mean, I, I mean, I just, I just told you, I, I don't think so. Um, it's a difficult job. It's a tough job. It's one that. Uh, need support, and it's, 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 it's a process where we're trying to improve. And as a people, I think all of us need to support the Auditor uh, General to be able to do a diligent job. So I don't think that it, 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 this indicts their capacity, is this, or they've done stellar job. But these breaches are significant, and and when you have. Um, you know, uh, an outcome from the courts so that suggests that you take these cases to court, and you are you are losing because somehow there's there's, a, there's evidence that you should have seen to clear or to not flag those uh, you know expenditure as disallowable or uh, expenditure to be searched, uh, people to be searched for. Uh, then it means that you need to do more, and so this is just a call for uh, all of us to be diligent and try to make sure that we are paying more attention. And in fact, even this, in my, in my view, is not only a thing to be blamed on the auditor, general, you know, for example, because I made a point yesterday. If you take the, the COVID expenditure, for example, the one with respect to the $120 million that was paid, $120 million that was paid to Ava, for the Johnson and Johnson vaccines. This is a straightforward explanation that the officials of Ministry of Health could have just given simply to the auditors and say that look we have a supply arrangement that is linked to the uptake of the vaccines. So we can't take all 60.9 billion at the go, but we are taking them in batches as we 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 administer the vaccines. So if you see that we have spent only up to 38000 of how much we have paid to them, it is because we are taking the, uh, the vaccines as and when we need them. So this would have led to them understanding right there at the exit conference, if they had one to understand, or maybe any uh, incidental meeting after the collection of these uh, uh, accounts, they would have cleared this thing. So it's not a thing that Auditor General particularly, didn't do the job. Sometimes the interface between the agents, uh, institutions who are leading uh, this uh, audit uh, service to be able to do their work when they come. They are strangers to all. They are, they are visitors. They are your guests. Sometimes they don't know where this document is. You have to support them. When they find something you don't understand, you have to explain to them. And so if you don't do that, and they walk away to go and fight that you need to go and retrieve $81,000 because something untoward has been done, then it is not necessarily on the auditor general, but it's on the staff of Ministry of Health who do not pull their weight to be able to answer simple questions and then give them simple explanation. So it is never, uh, in my view, and that's not what really we start out to do, our goal yesterday, uh, which Omar will be inviting you to, every two weeks, is to try and provide some background to issues that have occupied the media space over every two weeks where we get to meet uh, the media. And this happened to be one of the issues that we were monitoring, and we thought that it would be proper to provide some background and to help clarify some of the issues which we think that may, if not clarified, will, will fester and create a false impression of wrongdoing.
2: When a huge party, a party in power for that matter, takes issue with a public officer, oftentimes the public officer loses out. Are we sure that the Auditor General will survive after this, that we've seen a letter written to him by the Attorney General and the party in power also takes issue with his conduct? Can you assure us that the auditor general can still have his job and will still have his job after this public disagreement?
4: Omar, uh, well, I don't know what president you have to speak to in this matter, but uh, I would say that this is not uh, anybody taking on anybody. I, in my uh, in my simple way and my team, we sat, we looked at the evidence. We studied the document and found out and spoke to uh, agencies. You know, in the particular case, uh, there's a letter that the minister of information had written to the auditors. They just came, did whatever, and, and they bolted. There wasn't a goodbye. There wasn't an exit conference to say that we found ABCD, right? And this is why the process, if allowed, the the document, you can call it a draft document uh, that the auditor general uh, De- you know, develops after auditing this account, goes to Parliament, the Parliament it, and on Parliament's satisfaction and having gone through that document, then the document then becomes foolproof because the par- Parliament would have audited given the agencies opportunity because it's a process, giving them opportunity to explain why this item was spent and, and, and it wasn't supposed to be and it was spent and you don't have justification for it. So if the process is allowed, then you will culminate at, uh, at a point where everything is foolproof. So some of these things that, you know, they didn't do sidestep and thought that, oh, we'll do it as, as usual. And that is what has created a problem. So it's just a procedural thing, in my view, that needs to be corrected. And it's nothing substantial uh, in the sense that they have not been diligent in executing their mandate, but it's just like some overlook of uh, processes that is consequential for the agencies that are being audited, but for them it could just be a process, or oh, we'll do that next time, but for the agency. And in respect of public funds, it's consequential. So we're just saying that do the little things that they seem little to you, but it's consequential in terms of the outcome for the agency so that we as a public, we understand that our money is are being spent well and those who are supposed to be watching are watching closely so nobody takes our money and misapply them
2: thank you for speaking to us that's richard here his director of communications of the new patriotic party this is eyewitness news on 97.3 ctf and when we come back we hear from civil society organizations that have interest in the workings of the auditor general in the past the cdd Plus, we'll also hear from a member of uh, the NPP who is in Parliament and a member of the Appointments Committee, Dr. Dixon Casey. He does not believe that the the publication of the audit report will affect the work of the Appointments, not Appointments, Accounts Committee of Parliament. Please stay with us.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
7: Let your voice be heard on eyewitness news on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city ninety seven point three. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city nine seven three and Instagram at Instagram.com forward slash city nine seven three with the hashtag eyewitness news.
2: You hey, welcome back to eyewitness news on ninety seven point three CTF and we're talking about the auditor general, the letter that was written to him by the attorney general. On whether or not he should be publishing reports of his audit work before Parliament concludes its work. Today, today Hansen Ajima went to Parliament to speak to uh, members of the Appointments Committee. He spoke to Mursala Mohammed of Tamale Central. You heard, them, uh, you heard him earlier. Let's hear now the interview with uh, the NPP member of Parliament, uh, who is also a member of the Accounts Committee, Dr. Dixon KC. Okay, this is his perspective on the issue. The Attorney General believes that this affects the aims that the auditing seeks to achieve, and particularly the work of Parliament to first look at this and make their recommendations. Does the timing of the publication in any way affect the work
1: of the Public Accounts Committee? It, it doesn't. We we are looking at... We, we just looked at documents from 2020. We're in 2023. Uh, you know, so, so invariably... We're now going to look at 2021, 2022, and then get to 2023, and and that's why I say that government has a way of working, and public account has a way of working, and and eventually we'll get to this report, and and the work we do has you know some of the cases might have superstardom. Let me put it that way. It's just like the Supreme Court, uh, you know, where they take about a thousand decisions in a year, but Usually, during the year, there might be two or three decisions that the whole country is, is excited about. So, so Public Account Committee, we go through a barrage of cases, and, and some stick out. You know, some stick out, and, 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 and that is what then the whole world wants to zoom in on. But, but I can assure you that, per the experience Public Account has, uh, nothing... In the public domain, will sway us into a decision. Uh, we we work almost like a jury, uh, in in the, in the sense that when juries take a case, they they are not influenced. They are not supposed to be influenced by uh, public perception, and 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 we will do the work to the best of our knowledge and the best of our abilities. And and, and I can at this point assure Ghanaians that uh, they are very one. Skilled professional people on public account and and this time around in fact, looking at the caliber of people on the public account committee i mean i 'm a medical doctor in tra- you know by training and uh, also a background in economics and 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 just myself alone adds a lot to the committee then you have accountant background you have people from communication, people from all kinds of uh, uh, background, and, and I'm going to be particularly interested in COVID because of my medical background and my knowledge about financing of medical projects. and and I think that the speaker has even commissioned a committee to attend to this, and and that committee also has people from all kinds of background, finance especially. And when we look at this, we will be able to then come out with a recommendation or a report uh, to to address Ghanaian uh, populace, their concerns about COVID. And and I I think that um, some of the things might be knee-jerk response, but I must say that from what I know in governance at this point in time, uh, there's no need in being hasteful with auditing, uh, you know, we we, we we should let the institutions work, and when the institutions work very well, all of us will come to a conclusion or an agreement that, listen, uh, in, in truthfulness, the cabinet made the right decision about this, considering the times we were in, and now that we are in normal times, of course, this may not have been done. Or that may not have been done. So, so that is my take on this. And, and I think that um, it was extraordinary times. And uh, Attorney General should, uh, as the other uh, people say, just relax. And I, I'm very sure that there was an administrative reason for this early release, uh, more so because of the enormity of the uh, you know, request. From even the minority, the minority has been pushing and pushing and pushing, and I think that you know anybody could have even posed this question on the floor, and basically, finance ministry or this general will then have to provide it, and it will be still in the public domain. So, so I think that um, considering the times we're in, and uh, the 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 fact that. Opposition wants everything expedited, and we need to, you know, have a happy medium. I think I'm, I'm very comfortable, and it will not influence the work we do by any, you know, imaginable uh, amount at all.
2: So, that's Dr. Dixon Kissy, he is a member of uh, the NPP, he's an NPP MP, and a member of the Public Accounts Committee. Of Parliament, we can now hear from Dr. Kojo Pupuni Asante of the CDD. Hansen Ajiman again spoke to him on what the CDD makes of that letter to the Auditor General by the Attorney General. Listen.
5: Actually, I think uh, some of us are shocked. I mean, uh, this is completely unprecedented in many ways. We didn't expect that, you know, there's going to be this. For me, we consider it as an assault on the Auditor General again already. And you know from civil society and the concerns we have had with the way government has gone about um, um, pursuing certain actions that have weakened uh, the Auditor General and threatening the uh, the protections that uh, independent governance institutions have. So for me, this, this letter was shocking. I did not expect... And of course, a very flawed argument uh, that was being made by the uh, attorney general. So it's odd, it's preposterous, in, on you know, it's illogical in many ways. Because for me, first of all, the constitution doesn't make any provision that says you can only publish after parliament has debated it, or says that no, uh, you are not allowed to publish anything. And as you rightly said, section 23. Of the Audit Service Act is very clear that you know you you publish you know right after you lay it before Parliament. So if we're talking about law, there is no uh, uh, confusion as to what you know you, the Auditor General's uh, powers are. But if you think about it, the idea that uh, an audit report is final after it's been debated by Parliament. Goes against every auditing principle that you can think of. You take any company audit or whatever. Once an audit is done by an external auditor, which is what the auditor general is, management is asked, you know, to review, give comments, and then the audit is final. It goes to the board as a final audit. The board then has to take actions in terms of implementing or asking the executive or whoever is managing the organization, to implement it. That is the role of Parliament. Parliament are the representatives of the people. We are the shareholders of Ghana Incorporated. And so Parliament's rightful duty is that once the external auditor has done his professional job, which is the final report, and he goes, they debate it, they discuss it, what, what, what are the causes of, of these problems, and then task the executive to make sure that they can address these problems so that you can protect the public purse. That is Parliament's duty. Parliament is not going to go back and go and alter, amend, challenge the findings of the Auditor General. Actually, the, 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 the Constitution is very clear. If there are any irregularities where uh, the Auditor General disallows expenditure and has charge. It's only the high court you can go to to go and resolve it. It didn't say go to parliament. So even what PAC has been doing, for me I think it's, it's, it's not the right thing. PAC is supposed to make sure, yes, when you are engaging entities, is that now that the report has come out, what are you doing to address these things? And then you have government assurances committee and other committees like the PAC to continue to make sure that the right things are done. But even if Parliament is the one that you are looking at to play this role, this is the same Parliament with 275 members who sit on boards of entities that may be implicated in the Auditor General's report. How are they going to, in the conflict of interest situation, going to go and debate reports that might concern their own entities? Do
1: you, do you think the Attorney General is missing the plot on on uh, uh, how to even strengthen the? audit service or the work of the Auditor General. In your experience in working with the Auditor General, has issues about the timing of releasing a report being of a concern to anybody at all?
5: I am surprised that the Attorney General is now seeing a violation. When uh, Mr. Demulovo did the 2016 liabilities uh, of government, uh, when the new NPP uh, uh, came into office, I don't recall when he published it on the website, before going to parliament that uh, there was a a violation of the constitution. Indeed, actually, the president made it uh, an issue at his uh, State of the Nation address, even before it was debated in parliament. So I think that, first of all, the revelations in in the COVID-19, which everybody must take seriously, and we have to get to the bottom of it, and we are all going to dedicate ourselves to make sure we get to the bottom of it. If it's caused government embarrassment, we are making their matters worse by this route. But I do not expect the Attorney General to use his office, you know, to roll us back from all the gains we have made to strengthen independence governance institutions and make them, you know, more effective. We have been already, as I said, we've already been crying about some of the, the challenges that have been, the, 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 the impediments that have been put. In, in, their, uh, in their path and now we have this it's completely needless we are talking, we are in an economic situation crisis right now where we are talking about how if we were taking care of our money as well and now we are saying that you no, know, the auditor general's report should be, it's parliament that is going to determine the findings of of, of an audit report I think it's really preposterous and uh, it shouldn't, it's not something that should be countenance
2: this is Eyewitness News on ninety seven point three CTF, and you are listening there to uh, Dr. Kojua Santi of uh, CDD, uh, giving his own views on the letter that the Attorney General wrote to the Auditor General on the publication of, or the non well, asking him to pull down the report that he has published on his website. This is Eyewitness News on ninety seven. 3.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka. We've been trying to hear from uh, Mr. Ikuyama Johnson, Ikuyama, who is a new Auditor General. Uh, since we saw the letter of the Attorney General yesterday, uh, he has not responded to our request for an interview, but we keep trying. When we get a response from him, we'll share that with you. Let me bring you some of the messages that have been coming through Jeremiah Jeremiah Dozie, uh, or Duzi from Jirapa. Says, so in Ghana, now if anything in the public domain indicts the MPP, it is against the laws of the country, and the particular law should be amended. But it is about if it is about the NDC or any other party in the right direction. Why? What sort of hypocrisy is this? The Auditor General's report is perfect and it should be applauded because that was how the COVID-19 money was distributed by MPP members. An audio tape of an MPP member is testifying to this. Prof from Tema. Says uh, there's nothing wrong with the law on audit processes. They are looking for an escape. At the end of the day, it is the audited report that will be published, not the PIAC report, uh, not the PAC report. So whether the AG w- waits or not, it will not change. That's that's the reason the law says as soon as it is submitted to Parliament, publish it. It's also a check on Parliament not to hide any aspect. General Ortega says, "Good evening, Omaru. Any auditor that uh, sends his findings to." The appropriate authority without input or explanation from the person audited is not a professional and a big embarrassment. Abdurazak in Boko says it is not illegal to publish corruption and corruption related matters in Ghana And a person who said I will use the ANAS principle to fight corruption in this country. So Sir Daniel in Dansuman says good evening, Umaru. The auditor general shouldn't be published. Uh, the auditor general's report shouldn't be published according to the MPP. Indeed, corruption has become a menace. Under the leadership of uh, President Kufado, Zilis doing in London says, this government is a failure. Shame on them. Send us your message to 549
0: Witness News. Be there as it happens.
2: Welcome back to Witness News on 97.3 CTFN. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let's talk about some other issues now. And Nashika has a story.
3: The Ghana Catholic Bishop Conference is appealing to government to utilize all resources at its disposal to find lasting solution to the Boku conflict. About seven people have recently been killed as a result of the long-standing feud. Addressing the press conference, President of the Bishops' Conference, Most Reverend Matthew Kwesi Genfi, bemoaned the security situation in the community, indicating that the situation provides a platform for infiltration of terrorist groups.
8: We wish to reiterate our appeal to government. As a matter of urgency, to use all the resources at its disposal, to ensure that a lasting solution is found to the protracted conflict in Boko. The situation of insecurity in Boko and its environs is further compounded by the recent influx of refugees from Burkina Faso into the area, thus putting further pressure on the already impoverished and beleaguered communities welcoming these refugees who are seeking safe haven. This influx could become a breeding ground for the infiltration of terrorist groups operating in neighboring countries. We call on government and most especially state institutions mandated to deal with migrants and displaced people to step up their humanitarian response to the situation in and around Boko to avert further suffering inflicted on the population of the area. At the same time, we urge the government to empower The national security apparatus to ensure the non-infiltration of terrorist groups into the country. While commending the security personnel on the ground for working towards security and peace in Boko, we call on them to be more professional and circumspect in the discharge of their duties and be measured in the use of their firearms so as not to kill innocent people. We also urge them to desist from some of the inhumane treatment and brutalities being meted out to innocent citizens of Boko. At all costs we must avoid actions that will result in reprisals effect from aggrieved people. We equally commend the efforts of the National and Regional Peace Councils and other participants who are working feverishly to find a lasting solution to the Boko conflict and urge them to continue working with us, the bishops, Catholic Church to engage the parties involving the conflict. We finally appeal to the factions involving the Boko conflict as well as all stakeholders such as the traditional leaders, faith groups, print and electronic media, natives and non-indigens political party groups and the international community to do everything possible to help the process of peace building for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Boko area and for the peace of Ghana. We pray, God, bless our homeland, Ghana make our nation great and strong.
3: That was the Most Reverend Matthew Kwesi Jimfi, who is president of the Ghana Catholic Bishop Conference. Now, the former minority leader in parliament, Harun Idrisi, today turned down a seat offered him in parliament by the leadership of the minority caucus. The mt for the M- Member of Parliament for Tamil South bemoans that the seat offered him belongs to the Member of Parliament for Isutifi South, Collins Dowda, who is his senior colleague Hence, cannot accept the seat. He made this known during a contribution to a debate on the African Union Convention on Cross-Border Cooperation also known as the Niami. Niami Convention while sitting on the seat belonging to the first Deputy Speaker of Parliament, Joseph Osewusu.
0: So, Mr. Speaker, forgive me that I have to assume your chair. chair, whether I should take over from Honorable Kolinsalda or not. And I've told them that Honorable Kolinsalda is senior by age. Senior, not fit into his, uh, his, his chair as somebody who is well trained from home. So, any other chair, Mr. Speaker, acceptable to me? I'm still the elected member of parliament
7: for Tamarisa. I thank you. <laughs>
3: That was the former Minority Leader in Parliament and MP for Tamale South, Harun Idrisud there. Now the Asakwa Circuit Court has remanded the National Democratic Congress, NDC, youth organiser for the Swami constituency into police custody. The accused person, 32-year-old Razak Kwampa Avolia, was detained by police for inciting political violence. Dozens of NDC supporters gathered at the Asakwa Court complex this morning ahead of Mr. Kwampa's appearance. He has been charged with offensive conduct conducive to breaches of the peace. The prosecution prayed a court to remand the suspect to give the police ample time to continue investigations. But counsel for the accused, Evans Samankwa, insisted his client was not a flight risk person and will not interfere with investigations if he was granted bail.
7: I apply for bail because in as much as his plea has not been taken, does not vitiate the fact of asking for bail for him. So I apply for bail for him. But unfortunately, the court refused the bail on condition that if it borders on national security, which I'm, I'm a bit dumbfounded. The fundamental basis of bail, other granting or refusal of bail, is the fact that if the accused person or the suspect is granted bail, will he avail himself? to stand trial. But the accused person has proved beyond reasonable doubt. Because one police issued a statement for his arrest, he willingly turned himself in with his lawyer. That is me. It was it's unfortunate. But the case has been adjourned to 14th. So putting Raja Kuwampa into custody would not deter any NDC person from speaking. But one thing that I want to establish as a, as a fact is that NDZ as a party is not interested in destabilizing the peace of this country. That's supposed to remain resolute to anybody.
3: Evan Samankwa is the lawyer for the National Democratic Congress youth organizer for the Swami constituency who has been remanded into police custody.
2: This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. There was an expectation that President Akuffo was going to reshuffle his government. That expectation has been there since last year. Well, the reshuffling has not happened, but he has appointed new persons to fill the vacant positions in his government. This announcement uh, happened in Parliament on Tuesday. Many people thought that there should be a reshuffle where people were moved from their ministries to another. That did not happen. Instead, the same number of people who left his government have been appointed to replace same. So the same size of government. Now, this has got many people talking. The Pentecostal and Charismatic Council is talking to the government and it says downsize your government, cut costs. That's a publication in the daily graphic. Let's speak to the church now and understand exactly how this difficulty is affecting the nation and why it thinks that this is the way to go. Apostle Immanuel Ni Okule is the new General Secretary of the Ghana Pentecostal and Charismatic Council. You're welcome to Eyewitness News. Apostle, tell us uh, where this idea is coming from. Uh,
9: Thank you very much, Maru. And uh, good evening to your listeners. Yes, uh, last week we met, that is, Ghana Pentecostal and Charismatic Council. We have our annual uh, conference of Heads of Churches and Organizations. That is all the member churches that come together to form the communical Body, Ghana uh, Pentecostal and Charismatic Council, which is actually the largest uh, Christian body in, in Ghana, a communical group in Ghana. Uh, last week we had a conference of heads of churches and organizations at the Pentecost Convention Center. And uh, part of our deliberation focused on the country, Ghana, our economy, the environment, uh, governance, and so on. I mean, all of that is of concern to the ministries. You know, so we were in discussion and different uh, persons had presentation. At the end of the conference, uh, we gathered our thoughts and put it together as a communique, which we presented to the Minister for Information uh, last Monday, just this past Monday, uh, that with the I mean, information that it will get to the Jubilee House and uh, work will be done on it. So that is how come we have this uh, release, which is the communique of the Ghana Pentecostal and Charismatic Council.
2: How troubling do you think the size of the government is? And when you say downsize, how down is the size that you're looking for?
9: Yeah, um, we we cannot put figures to rate. We cannot put figures to rate. The the call for us at this point in time is that urgent also because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. I mean, we are all aware this call has been on as far as I can remember that the government, I mean, the Akufado administration came to office and uh, when the ministers and the ministries were being announced. I mean, people had concerns. But uh, he had been voted into office. There is an agenda, there is a vision. And so he spoke to Ghanaians and said, well, um, yeah, there is something they want to achieve, and this size is what will bring us the results. Uh, We've been on for six into the seventh year now. And uh, where we are now, we realize economic situation is a bit dire. It's a bit difficult. Last Monday or so, I think I heard the finance minister mention that if by March we don't get the IMF program on, uh, economy is literally crashing. Uh, which other economists are disputing but he is in the seat of our finances and so i want to put more premium on what he is saying for now and so we think in order to get domestic bondholders also to support the government call we think government should also show some goodwill uh, government has been making a lot of effort But in terms of its size, in terms of expenditure, we think government should show some more goodwill in visibly reducing government machinery, visibly. I mean, not in rhetoric, but let us see it. Let's see the numbers come down. Let us reduce the projects, I mean, so that we make some savings there. And that can also be used to offset some of our debts so that when we are calling on, the citizenry to also make sacrifices i mean it will be more appreciated i think we are struggling with the ghana independent i mean individual uh bondholders forum because they don't see the commitment they don't see the visible commitment of government when it comes to efforts to also tighten uh our belts uh, as a country and yet we want them to make the sacrifices so we're asking for government to visibly downsize i mean GPCC cannot, say, reduce to 50 or reduce to 35 or 83, you know, but uh, something visible and which will be appreciated by the people of Ghana, we, we
2: think. Do you think you will be listened to because the call and demand for the government to be downsized has been made in several quarters? We've not seen anything done about it.
9: Yeah, I mean, I've had to respond to this particular question a couple of times already, and and we think uh, in a lot of areas, government, um, whether intentionally or because of the circumstances, we've seen governments ultimately listen to uh, some calls that have been made, and so the idea will not be to you know despair. Or through our hands in the end, say well, uh, this call has been made several times, so let's sit back and watch. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, it's visibly very, very difficult where we are now, and so we are adding, we are only adding our voice to the many uh, preceding voices asking government to downsize and to cut down expenditure. You know, um, sometimes uh, you never know. The last straw they say always breaks the back of the camel. Mm. Maybe our voice is what will make government uh, respond to the call, uh, given that these are ministers who have prayed for the country and who have prayed for the government. Hopefully, uh, God will touch the heart of government to listen to the voice of the ministers.
2: Thank you so much for speaking to us. Uh, That's Apostle Imano Nio Okule Teti. He is the new General Secretary of the Ghana Pentecostal and Charismatic Council. Nashika.
3: Lawyers for the minority leader, Dr. Kessel, are to force and have refuted claims by the prosecution that their clients, as Deputy Finance Minister, authorised the establishment of letters of credit for the pages of some ambulances. The former Deputy Finance Minister and two others are on trial for count of causing financial loss to the state over the importation of 30 ambulances. These were part of a contract between the Ministry of Health and Dubai-based firm Big C Limited in 2012 for the purchase of 200 ambulances. The the prosecution today presented its last witness, who was an investigator with the Economic and Organised Crime Office. The lawyers of the accused during cross-examination, however, pushed the view that Dr. Atuforsen acted only on behalf of former Finance Minister. Seth Techpe. But the witness insisted investigations revealed that the NDC legislature acted without authorization from Seth Techpe. The case has been adjourned to Friday 14 for cross examination to continue.
0: Eyewitness News Be there as it happens. Get the details, details. every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business.
1: City Business News. Be informed.
3: Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Let's settle for the details. An economist, Professor Godfred Bobkin, is projecting an increase in the country's unemployment rate should the domestic debt exchange program be implemented. The government is embarking on a debt restructuring program to enable its access a three billion dollar loan from the IMF, which will ultimately restore fiscal stability in the country. The program has been met with widespread criticisms, especially by bondholders who stand to lose their investments due to the program. Speaking to C. Business News, Professor Godfrey Bobkins says there will be massive job losses because the financial sector will experience serious liquidity challenges.
0: The debt restructuring, if it goes through, the implications are quite obvious, even now and for the foreseeable future. With time and as as the effect of the debt exchange settles through the system, those qualitative observations begin to take on quantitative dimensions. So, for instance, given the banks that have signed up, cumulatively, the liquidity losses in the books of the banks would exceed 6 billion CDs. What that means is that amount of credit that these banks could have given to borrowers, private sector to expand their businesses and create jobs will no longer be available for lending. So there's going to be a credit squeeze. In, in terms of the impairment losses on the books of the banks, we are looking at something close to 30% in net present value terms on the books of those participating financial institutions or banks. Again, that has implication for liquidity and also credit lending or lending to the private sector that is actually supposed to be the engine of growth that that the negative information characterizing the debt exchange and all of that. It also signals a certain state of the economy, right, and, and essentially depresses the net wealth of firms with negative implications for investment, growth, and employment generation.
3: Professor Botford Gopkin is an economist. Now, the Governor of the Bank of Ghana, BOG, Dr. Ernest Addison, has assured the market that its outfit will keep implementing measures to fight against inflation. Despite several policy directives, managers of the economy have failed to significantly improve general price levels over the years. Inflation ended 2022 at 54.1% from 50.3% the prior month. He made the call out a call at the 2023 State Interest and Governance Authority annual stakeholders engagement in Kweu.
10: We started 2022 with the downgrade of our economy, and therefore, this source of financing was not available. In addition to that, as my colleague, the Deputy Minister, said, the revenue measures were not working. We were in a situation in which. Uh, the revenue forecast for the year were performing, you know, targets. Now, all of this meant that government financing was in a lot of trouble, and expenditures needed to be undertaken, and there was really no money. And under the circumstances, the central bank had to step in to help us go through this difficult patch. Now. It's important to recognize that we could have gone into this crisis much earlier than 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 we went into. If the Bank of Ghana hadn't stepped in to sort of smoothen the path, right? There were a lot of people who came into the country and were surprised that, uh, about the fact that they didn't see any sign of crisis anywhere. Where is the crisis? You don't see any crisis in Ghana. Yes. You didn't see the crisis because the Central Bank was helping to manage the situation.
3: That was the Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr Ernest Addison. Moving on, based on the current liquidity challenges facing the bonds market due to the ongoing domestic debt exchange program, fund management company Data Bank is appealing to school authorities to extend the deadline for the payment of school fees. The investment company in a letter indicated that the call for the extension is due to their inability to pay its customers' securities as a result of government efforts to manage its debt through the domestic debt exchange program. Program. gillian hammer is the group chief marketing officer of databank and she added that the move was part of efforts to show her outfit concern towards the challenging defiling clients due to the challenges
11: confronting the sector here is the situation the clients have the money we can show you proof that the clients have the money it's just that through no fault of their own they're in this situation and they're not able to pay their fees. So to the extent that you can give them some grace or extend some measure of patience, it would be good. So that was the intent of it, to help our clients because everybody is in difficult times. Nobody is immune and we're just trying to do the best that we can with the situation that we are dealing with. So that's what brought us to this point. We have done it and a number of schools have been receptive to it. Others have said they have bills to pay and rightly so. Um, you, you can't fault anybody for saying that. And we're all in business. Prices are going up. So it's becoming more and more difficult to even pay your, your basic bills. So we understand. And it was never to make an absolute statement to the schools, but just to seek their assistance.
3: Gillian Hammer is the group chief marketing officer of Data Bank. Finally, as part of strategies to offer young entrepreneurs the Springboard onto the business world, Holland Insurance Ghana Limited has organized a Holland Streetwise Finance Business Challenge among universities. The insurance company believes the challenge will serve as a catalyst and offer seed capital for winners. The managing director of Holland Insurance Ghana Limited, Daniel Adu, has been speaking to City Business News.
12: I think for, for years, the business community has had reason to question the way the university train our graduates. And we, we've, we've always made the point that the instruction is too theoretical. So graduates leave and then uh, they have no entrepreneurial skill or they expect someone else to employ them or they always expect to be told what to do. And we've, we've made that claim for, for, for years, and uh, when we found out that the Minister of Ghana has built an innovation center where they would train students to to bridge this gap or to correct this problem, we were excited, and that's the reason why we are here. At Holland, we we strive to be a catalyst for positive and enduring change. So, if we see any program started anywhere in the country that we think would have a positive effect on the country, we join. We are passionate about this country. We are here to stay. I mean, so lucky for us, the two universities have, have trained and, and have ready the students. I mean, a lot of work has gone into this the last few months and we are, we are, we are, we are grateful to them for this. We are going to hear pitches from seven different, uh, student companies on, on, on what, uh, they seek to do. And then we would pick three ideas which, 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 which we, which we think are scalable, are feasible and solve ready problems.
3: That was the managing director of Holland Insurance Ghana Limited, Daniel Ado. That's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
2: This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umar Rusanda amado Tonight on Point Blank, the pensioner bondholders who have been picketing at the Ministry of Finance demanding that they be saved. Save our souls, essentially, is what they've been saying. It's four days. So tonight we invited them in studio for Point Blank to ask them, so far, how far? Dr. Edwana Nientri is convener of the pensioner's pensioner bondholders forum you're welcome yeah. doc thank you adubia adu asante is a member of the pensioner bondholders forum you're welcome madam thank you we've heard from dr sante dr entry a number of times you we are having you in the studio for the first time uh, madam adubia tell us your own story we want to hear your story first then we'll come to doc
13: thank you so much mm-hmm. i mean my own story mm-hmm. as a pensioner mm-hmm. is also to plead uh, for total exemption mm-hmm. um, as you've heard us saying for more than three weeks, most of us do not work. So this is our lifetime savings. This is a gratuity that most of us I mean, received when we went on pension.
2: So before we talk about the consequence of what the government plans to do, tell us your story. So what did you do? How long ago did you retire? Um, oh. What was your plan when you put the money, invest in it well, for your pension? If you could you. share I, some I, of those, yes, I retired. If it's not too personal, you can say Well, it. that's.
13: I mean, I retired yeah. last year, in January, and I used virtually all, about ninety nine percent of my gratuity into the bonds, because I knew that the bonds were risk free. I've never heard of um, the government ever defaulting. Um, payment of coupons or bonds upon maturity and so I thought I had invested in a very risk-free bond I've never had the government going bankrupt so I knew that I was going on retirement peacefully and going to enjoy all the comforts of what a pensioner should enjoy, having worked so hard for over um, 34 years. In which of the sectors? Uh, in the financial sector. Okay. In the financial so you sector.
2: understand the market very well. You knew what sector, you were doing.
13: Yes, because as I said, I knew mm. I was going into something that was risk-free and a very long-term, I mean, a long-term investment. And unfortunately, it looks like what we bargained for it's not what you're getting. It's not what we are getting.
2: Even though that's your sector in the finance world, so you understand all these things. well, do you not think that it was too audacious to have put ninety percent of your your proceeds in there, your was it your gratuity into into that particular one? Could you not have put put it elsewhere? Maybe invested in cattle, for instance.
13: Well, not all of us have the business acumen, mm-hmm. and I know. My I mean parents, elderly ones who've also had phones for so many years and haven't had any problem with it. And so why I mean I thought and I knew at that time that it was the best choice the best way to go because as I said I don't have the business like you men, and I knew that with my little pension the bonds would definitely Help me.
2: So essentially, you're going to be doing hand to mouth. The bank, the government will keep the money for you. You knew that every year, or every three years, or every five years, you know how much you're going to make on how much you've given to the government, and so you essentially plan to survive on that, not to come and be running business with your gratuity. Business. That was your plan. Yes,
13: the coupons were supposed to come every six months. Mm. Yes,
2: and so that was what you were going to survive on,
13: pretty much. Exactly. In addition to my um, pension. Okay. Yes, which is not
2: much. What? So. You, your life, you had it figured out,
13: planned out,
2: using yes. this as a basis. Of course, yes. Doctor Entry, let me hear your story again. So you were in the, you were in the finance world. Yes. You actually, were I was,
14: I was teaching people how to, <laughs> to n- advising people <laughs> to invest. Yeah. In. You,
2: you were with them. Um, Security. So, so this yeah, would have interior, been this my, would have been your area. 40 yes. And you were telling people that no, this is the safest thing to and do. That is what I have done and whilst yesterday. I was
14: there, you know what advising percent, people. What percentage to, of your own for me if every investment that I got, In fact, I started investing somewhere seventy uh six, seventy seven. Before the coup of seventy nine. <laughs> yes. Because I started working seventy five. Okay. And savings has been part of me.
2: So throughout military rule, you were still. I was still saving. And all these were yes, not touched.
14: Yes, yes, yes,
2: no. yes. The champion time was what seventy eight yes, 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 or seventy. Okay, he came seventy two. I remember years
14: back when you have to go to the Bank of Ghana and buy your treasury bills. I personally go take the money there. Okay. And buy your treasury bills right. or your bonds. So
12: yes, yes, yes,
14: yes.
2: Until it became computerized, yes, so that you yes, just click and yes, then you yes, buy. Yes. And so almost everything you have has been in the yes, bond market. Yes, yes. And you expected that what would happen? You, you retired, what, five years ago? Six years ago. Six years ago. What was your plan?
14: For my sustenance, uh, when people say work, 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 I say, look, if I were in the UK or the US, I don't retire and continuously be working there what is the, the essence of that retirement? I should save put money away somewhere and then allow my investment to take care of me at least basic things that I need in my life medication, your libel your water bill. you come out, you leave your official driver there, you leave office car office was giving you uh, uh, medical paying your medical bills, oh, water, stop. you know, and these are the things I teach people that as soon as you come out, when people think that you have, uh, you are going to have less expenditure, no, your expenditure level rises because the things that you used to get free, we are getting mm-hmm. coupon uh, for fuel, you had, uh, I had a security man, Mm-hmm you see uh, uh, you Because you are people? top there, top, top of the, the, the two security SEC men. As e. soon as I retire, I have to be paying them myself. Or you
2: let them go? Oh, I let them go. it state doesn't help you. The state, state that.
14: doesn't help you
2: anyway. way. So you thought you were being smart? Yes. So let me put this money down to So that if myself. all these
14: things cease, all these things cease, at least I know I have something to do I am growing. I have to get a driver because you stop your driver. Mm-hmm. You have to pay for your own medical. you have to pay for your own electricity, your water, your everything.
2: And and this story of yours is similar to other stories of yes. the people who were joining you yes, for the exactly. picketing. Yes,
13: Pivoting. exactly. Yes. We had an 81-year-old. Um, at,
2: at, 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 today. Yeah. When you first heard, initially they had told us that pension funds would not be tied but when it turned out that pension funds were going to be touched and you knew the consequence, how did you feel?
13: I felt very devastated and I felt it was a big betrayal on the part of the Minister of Finance.
2: What did you then think was going to happen to you in terms of the negative
13: consequences? Well, um, I, I, even though I, yeah, I felt devastated, I believed that eventually... He would give in to a plea of, I mean, exempting pensioners because if pensioners' funds had been, I mean, exempted, we knew that as pensioners, our funds were also used to purchase the bonds, and so what is good for the goose would definitely be good for the gander, and so we knew that. I, I inwardly, I knew that it would be sorted out at the end of the day. It's been weeks but now. As the days go by, I realize that nothing is happening. And it's still worrying, but we can never give up. We can never give up. We can never give up. Dr. Andrew, the Minister of Finance spoke to us and said,
2: Yeah, you see, um,
14: well, if I want to take even uh on the face of it, if a financial institution says we have helped fifty businesses, what do you understand by that? If a financial institution says we have helped fifty businesses.
6: Mm.
14: Basically it means they have what? They have given loans to them. To them to operate their, 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 their businesses. So if I have given loan to you, I have helped you. So you mean you've been helping the government since
6: 1975?
14: Yes, oh, I have helped you. By buying You've already done
2: the yes, help. I mean,
14: once I'm giving you, I'm I'm buying your bills and your bonds. I'm I'm giving you credit. We all, if you are the village and you you, you need a, a child's school fees, you go round round begging. Mm-hmm. You beg, 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 beg. There are some people they say you tell them your whole story before they say well, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I can't give you. So if somebody grants you loan, that person has helped you. So the minister should know we have already helped by giving you the loans. But
2: we are, these are critical times and the kind of help the minister wants, I'm sure you clearly understand that. We need to be out of the problem that we are and contributions from your good selves would come in handy. That's what the minister means. That we are.
13: Where contributions mean? Your pension funds. No. I mean, he knows very well that, yes, having been able to exempt the pension fund which is quite a big amount i think must yes. be almost 30 billion mm-hmm. why wouldn't he be able to i mean exempt uh, pensioners' funds which must be
14: I I yes, think yes. it's well, between not up to even be, three billion. It shouldn't be That's even, what I'm, I'm, even I'm if hearing. it were
13: three, four billion. So why can't you, if you've been able to sacrifice thirty um, about thirty billion for those who are still working. Who are yet to who are yet to go for the future pensioners.
2: Because they have a bigger union, there's Nagrad, there's NAT, there's Tw all of them. They, they can hold sh- the government to ransom so you cannot. I, you can only yes. hold your working sticks.
13: Yes. And continue picketing, and continue. I mean, um, talking to other. I mean, individuals, other um, people. Leaders lead, in
14: the society. Leaders
13: in the society. I mean, they all sympathize with us, and so we believe that um, this continuous picketing, this continuous push, these such conversations as we are having now, would 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 um, help soften. I mean, for want of a better word, the heart of the, um, the, the finance
2: minister. Dr. Andrew, are you really sure you are making any impact with your picketing? Because you've gone from Monday to date. The minister
14: met you on day one, and that's it. Sure.
2: Are you sure his heart
14: is being touched? I believe so. Uh, you see, it takes some time, people. Maybe I believe he's putting some figures together. That's what my belief is. He's adding up and see if uh, this thing happens what will happen, so I, I believe he's doing that, and uh, you see, when, when the Tuesday, was it Tuesday, today's, it was Tuesday that uh, we had when Parliament uh, resumed, mm-hmm. as soon as Parliament, I believe it was <coughs> that picketing that, you know, drew the attention to Parliament uh, rather fast when they came, even mm-hmm. though we have uh, sent them uh, a copy of the petition. This was, you know, something that you have seen, you know, being played on television, seen the elderly. So, even if you were looking at it, it was taking you. You were taking your time to look at it. Immediately, he said, "No, no, this one. you mm-hmm. must do something immediately. The way things are going." So, that alone shows that the 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 the, the, the effect is there. And uh, again, you not know, the first day. We wanted to meet the minister. We couldn't meet him. We didn't come down until we all left. And uh, five of us who were still available met him. Uh, and some people have come to say, you, well, do you think that sometimes you go picketing and nobody will come and even talk to you? And I, and I told them, well, these are elderly people. You know, sometimes maybe some of the people that we are having even passed to be your, your father or your mother. Mm-hmm. So... Definitely, you have to respect them and, and come. And of course, it came very late, but at least it was good that he has come. So, I believe that uh, these things uh, are going to work well because you, you, you won't be comfortable looking at this and allow it to go on and on and on and on. That's a bad image we are creating for this country. The mm-hmm. first time in history. I'm only 66 years, but I haven't heard before that anything anything of this nature has happened in this country, not Mm -hmm. even when they were trying to get independence. Mm -hmm. So it's
6: it's, it's a bad thing for the country.
2: Could it be that you are misdirecting your attack, quote-unquote? Maybe you should have gone to the Jubilee House. There's a 78-year-old man there. He has retired 18 years ago if we were to go by the retirement year of 60 and I'm referring to the President, and why didn't you go to him instead? He would understand your plight better. He's a, he's an, he's a retired I mean, man too. He's
13: a retired man, but he's put the affairs, the finances, in the hands of Honorable... Um, kind of but I, the back stops with the President. Um, the back stops with the President, but um, we, we, we felt, I mean, it, is the, it was a step in the right direction to deal with the Minister of Finance. And, of course, he handles everything, and I believe that he advises presidents or I mean on financial status and everything mm-hmm. and I believe that talking to him is just like talking to the um, presidents I mean I, I, there's a, a saying we say that if you want to talk to God you should sing through the wind mm. and so I think that um talking to the Honorable Minister about our plight was i mean the best step in the best direction mm. so you return so tomorrow you go to the
2: ministry again tomorrow we will we will go we dr entry so what next tomorrow is a deadline okay. After tomorrow before,
14: before the deadline let me add on to mm-hmm. the presidency i think the first the the the, the uh ptc he was the only one copied to mm-hmm. the copied itself on the face of the letter okay to the, the to the finance minister, copied to the president, so he was copied, delivered to his office. So when we're dealing with the finance minister, and it looks as we are not getting what we want to get, we tried to book an appointment with the uh, chief, uh, what you call chief, chief of staff. Mm-hmm. That was this Friday, before the, the, the on the Friday before this last Friday, mm-hmm. and we went there. Uh, they took the letter and they said we should bring a letter again the next uh, Monday. So Monday we sent uh, an official letter wanting to have a meeting with the, the chief of staff. That's a way of getting to the president. The president. Okay. That Monday evening I had a call from that office that they have received a letter uh, that I sent in the morning and that we were looking at uh, getting time for us to, to meet. Uh, having heard from that office again, and so uh, we've done what we have to do to get to the president directly. Even mm. after we have uh, copied okay. this letter mm. uh, to the rest of the uh, people who receive our petition, it was yes, it was. We send the petition and a cover letter mm. to them, mm. not directly, to them. copied them so on the he, face. But he's the president uh, who, who had that. Uh,
2: what next for you after tomorrow?
14: Well, after tomorrow, we are going to continue with what we are doing. Even on Monday. Even on Monday. If if it's not withdrawn. We have have said, and uh, sometimes, I don't know whether people think, if we have the strength, and we pray God that we should always have, if we have the strength, even if 10 people will have the strength, they will be there continuously until this uh, exemption is granted. Monday, we will be there, God's willing. The only day that we are deciding not to be there will be s- Tuesday, when the minister is supposed to appear before parliament. parliament. We are going to be in parliament and see and hear for ourselves what he will tell parliament, what the responses of parliament will be, what the reaction of parliamentarians and others will be. So that day we won't be at the ministry.
2: But you won't, won't go on weekend either because he won't be there on weekend. Working day. To elected
14: to the, the police says... We are going there every working day okay. until the matter is That's resolved. Exactly.
2: Why don't you go to the courts?
14: No, we won't go to courts. The 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 pension funds yes. those whose funds were supposed to be giving them is supposed is to be giving them when they have come on retirement. Mm. They didn't go to court.
6: Mm.
14: It's a moral argument. If you think that people who are yet to come on pensions should not
2: be
6: put on should the-
14: not be taking through this kind of thing so that they don't come home
6: suffer.
14: and suffer, become a burden on others. And I'll share something that uh, uh, mm. Biden said. That is, uh, please,
2: please share, because we are just leaving you know, now.
14: So, you see, our, 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 our government should should note and take care of their elderly. This Biden's uh, State of the Union address... Joe Biden, yes, President of America. It is said that he mentioned senior citizens nine times in the speech... Cause he's one of them. It has never been mentioned in times for any American president uh, as at now. Because of the various programs he's putting in place for seniors. Mm. And look at what is it. He said you want to provide a higher benefit to the oldest Americans. At advanced ages, Americans become more vulnerable to exhausting their savings even in America, sometimes falling into poverty and living a life of hardship, even in America, the president, in spite of all the thing, good things that American people enjoy has on retirement, the head of state realized that still they need to do something more for them. And he's bringing more programs that will benefit the Uh, the the senior citizen so that they don't don't go through hardship you are here, we are unable to do any of these things for our seniors and yet the small thing thing that the senior Mm -hmm. has uh, saved. you want to call it you you want to impair uh, the income flow that is coming from it thank you doc,
2: give me your final words. speak to the finance minister, he's listening
13: well, honourable finance minister man of God on behalf white of White shirt the, wearing, white dress wearing well, man of God. In all humility, we are still on our knees pleading that all the pensioners need total exemption. We have heard a lot the issues, the problems that will befall us if we don't have I mean we don't receive these coupons. You've heard it over and over again. So we believe that at the end of the day you would listen to our humble plea. It is our prayer that the good Lord would guide you to answer us. We know you are a man of God. We know that you respect your elders, and you will do the needful. Thank you.
2: Thank you, too. So that's Adubiado Asanti, member, Pensioner Bond Holders Forum, and Dr. Edwana Nienchi, convener, pensioner bondholders. From. Thank you so much for Thank being on program. Thank you. And wish you all the best. We'll be yeah. following your story for you. Thank you. And share with the world.
14: Thank you. Thank you. Thank
6: you.
2: My name is Umaru Sandamadu. Tonight I was on Eyewitness News with Nashi Kassiza. Production by Bevlin London with second cast support from Daniel Squashi, and uh, Edwin Kwakofi was handling the new media side of things. Thank you for listening. Eyewitness News returns tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Have a good night.
0: City News, we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302 224959
6: and get interactive on Facebook City97.3FM and on Twitter at City973.